Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Wednesday, the 22nd of September. Good morning. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. There is an interesting economic tidbit to chew on this morning. Uh, um, In America, faith-based groups and organizations contribute more than $316 billion in savings to the U.S. economy every year. Now, the way that that is figured is that you take what congregations and religious institutions, faith-based businesses, uh, what they contribute— to the socioeconomic good of the country, uh, and and you add all of that up, and you get a $1.2 trillion impact. So the savings um, in terms of the U.S. economy means that others are not having to do those kinds of things, um, those kinds of outreaches and goods to local communities, city, states, and the nation uh, that faith-based organizations are doing by their $1.2 trillion impact. So that's a lot of um, a lot of dough. If you were to add it all up, uh, faith-based organizations in the United States would be equivalent to the world's 15 largest, 15th largest national economy. So you say to yourself, wow, all right, well, okay, and it's cool that the listener-supported radio you're listening to right now, Faith Radio, whether you're listening to it through a live broadcast signal in a community where we have an actual radio tower, or you're listening on the Faith Radio app or streaming on MyFaithRadio.com anywhere around the world. Our friends in Belgium, Luke, good morning. Um, Wherever you're listening right now and however you're listening, you're actually a part of this $1.2 trillion socioeconomic value to the country. Like, that's incredible, all right? that's You're a part of that. This is listener-supported Ministry, you're a part of that, and that is really cool. And so it might lead us to ask ourselves, with all that influence, with all that influence, why does it feel like the spirit of the world is seeming to overwhelm the spirit of God in our land today? Why does it feel like the darkness is getting darker, or at least pressing in new ways against the light in new places in our lives? I've been thinking a lot about the need for spiritual revival in our land. I am aware of the spiritual awakening taking place around the world. We talk about it uh, when we hear testimonies from places like China or Iran. There's lots of places, really hard places around the world, um, where the gospel is penetrating, and we praise God for that. And when we say hard places, we're talking about places that are technically closed to the gospel where there are actual laws designed to prevent people from sharing the hope that is within them, places where it is illegal to believe and follow God other than in a way that the government prescribes. So it's illegal in some places to convert from the official state religion to Christianity. Those are hard places. Here in the United States, we don't actually live um, with those kinds of restrictions. Here in the United States, here in Canada, um, 
We're free to express ourselves. We're free to speak our minds. We're free to share the gospel. We're free to assemble with other Christians for Bible study or prayer or worship or fellowship. I'm here where we're free to educate our children and coordinate efforts with other Christians for the common good. Why is this such a hard place for spiritual revival? I mean, I understand why other places are hard. Why is this such a hard place? And so in my prayer time this morning, as I prayed over that question, the answer that kept coming to my mind was this image of a calcified heart, a literally hardened heart, a heart congested from within and constricted from without. So I am convicted this morning that America is a hard place for the gospel's advance because our individual and collective hearts have grown hard. So if you share that conviction, I invite you to pray today with me, standing in front of a mirror. Yep, literal mirror. No makeup, no pretense. Stand before the mirror and pray to God that he would deal with my hardness of heart, your hardness of heart. I don't presume to know what's clogging the arteries of the body of Christ, but I know we need a genuine spiritual revival. And if the heart of the church isn't beating with the heart of the Father for the lost, the broken, the hurting, those who are suffering, those who weep, if we're not running with urgent compassion to those who are desperate for hope, then we're not functionally the body of Christ, the one who came from heaven to earth to do just that for us. So yes, the world needs a spiritual awakening. Yes, the world needs a revival. But it has to begin with you and me. The people of God coming under a deep conviction and crying out in confession and repentance for our sins. Next up, Colin Smith is going to join me. We're going to talk about unlocking the Bible and the Open the Bible Project. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. Smith, one of our favorites. You listen to him regularly here on Unlocking the Bible. We're going to talk today about the Open the Bible Project. Colin, welcome back. Hey, Carmen. It's always a joy to be with you. Thank you. Your um, your voice um, brings me gladness and joy, so thank you so much. Um, let's talk about the need to know what the Bible actually says. Let's Let's talk about the need to understand that it is one story And then let's point people to October the 16th, the Open the Bible event, an online event um, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time, where you will be teaching all of us the the sort of scope and tempo of the one story of the Bible. Well, the Bible is the best-selling book uh, ever, Carmen, as uh, you know very well, and by a, a, a large margin, too. And uh, across our country, and I'm thinking in the homes of uh, everyone who's listening to us on Faith Radio today, there'll be a vast number of homes that have a Bible. The question is, uh, you know, how often is it opened? And I think there are various reasons why uh, Bibles are rarely uh, opened in uh, many homes. Uh, One is that uh, it's a very large book. Sometimes people just don't know where to begin. We want to give people a starting point 
for getting to know the Bible, a kind of a map, a kind of a flyover, a, 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 a way of getting oriented into uh, what the Word of God is. And we're going to do this together in a free virtual event on October the 16th. Unlocking the Bible is presenting uh, Open the Bible in a Day. It'll be about two and a half hours, 10 o'clock in the morning, Central uh, Saturday morning, um, get a fly over the whole Bible story. We're going to look at five people in the uh, Old Testament, five events in the life of Jesus in the Gospels, and five wonderful gifts that are laid out for every believer in uh, the New Testament letters. So the idea is to get people started. And for folks who already know and love the Bible, it will give an opportunity to increase your confidence to share the Bible with others. I just love what you said a few moments ago, uh, Carmen, about um, the need for revival. Uh, we need the light to come into the darkness. And where is the light? Well, the, 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 the light is in Christ and Christ is in the word. If those who believe can open the Bible with others who don't yet believe, then I think that's going to be a tremendous influence for good. And we want to encourage people to open the Bible with others. All right, we're going to continue our conversation with Pastor Colin Smith about opening the Bible. Um, we're going to have an Open the Bible event October the 16th. Um, it is an online event from 10 a.m., to 1 p.m. Central Time. It's a Saturday, um, and Colin is going to host it. It's a free virtual tour through the Bible, and we don't want you to miss it. So we're going to talk more about it in just a minute. I'm going to ask Colin, who are the five Old Testament Bible characters that we should know, and maybe the five landmark events in the life of Christ um, that we should uh, that we should know as well. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right. I'm not sure I could sing that uh, that 66 books of the Bible song anymore, but I could rattle off the stories of a number of characters, and I certainly know the redemptive arc over the whole thing, how it works together as one story from Genesis to Revelation. Um, we are encouraging you to be able to do the same. Pastor Colin Smith is going to guide us through a really special event on October the 16th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central. He's going to teach through the Bible, like a like a virtual tour. So, Colin, um, maybe maybe give us a sense of some of the things we're going to learn that day, and maybe offer us I don't know a few lists Bible Testament Bible characters everyone should know. Yeah, well, uh, you're absolutely right, uh, Carmen. That the the big picture of the Bible story is that it begins in a garden, it ends in a city, and all the way through, it's about Jesus Christ. And I find that that's something that really helps people. They they have a sense of you know a few different stories, David and Goliath, um, the story of Jonah. They're not really quite sure sometimes how it's all connected. And seeing that the whole Bible is one story and that it all points us to Jesus Christ really gives a sense of how it's connected. And once you see how it's connected, once you see the lie of the land, as it were, um, uh, then you're able to have a, a greater understanding um, uh, once you get closer to the ground and uh, begin to investigate more. So, yes, very quickly, we're going to take a fly over uh, the Old Testament. Uh, we'll do that in about 40 minutes, actually. Um, uh, so it's very high level, uh, but there are five people in the Old Testament that really give you the outline 
of the Old Testament story. Obviously, Adam and Eve would be uh, would be the first uh, of these. Um, and then you have uh, Abraham, and then you have Moses and David, and then uh, Nehemiah, who, along with Ezra and others, uh, led the return of God's people when they came back from Jerusalem after the exile. So we'll just tell these five stories, how God intervened in the world through each of these people and how each of their lives point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. What happens in the Old Testament is that we discover who God is. We realize who we are because he made us and only in coming to know the one who created us and therefore owns us can we discover who we are. We find out why we need Jesus, what he came into the world to accomplish uh, and what he's able to offer to all of us. And and that's very clear through these five stories in the Old Testament. I love that. You're also going to cover five landmark events in the life of Christ. I bet yeah. if we each if we each challenged ourselves, if we just thought for a moment, all right, what are five landmark events in the life of Christ that I think everybody should know about? Well, I think everybody should know about his birth. And I think, yeah. I mean, because that helps me understand who he is. I certainly think people should know about his crucifixion. Um, yes. And his resurrection and his ascension. So there are four. Um, maybe yeah, so I would include. Yes, <laughs> I would include in that either his baptism or the transfiguration, because those are the places where I get to hear God lay claim to him. So I don't know. What are your five? Yeah, that's exactly right. And um, uh, uh, the fifth one in in my list uh, is very close to what you've said. Uh, It's the temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Mm. that uh, follows immediately after his baptism and uh, after that wonderful declaration um, uh, from heaven and from the Father that uh, this is my son who I love. Uh, listen uh, uh, to him. But the temptations of Jesus are especially uh, important because they speak about his humanity. He is God and he really has come among us and he really is one with us. And uh, the temptations are particularly significant because in the light of the Old Testament, this is God in Jesus Christ coming to fight the battle that Adam failed and where he failed uh, here's the Savior who comes now to um, uh, to triumph and to triumph not just on his own behalf, but to triumph on our behalf and to give us hope. You know, uh, Adam leads us all out of the place of God's blessing. Jesus leads us all back in. So I think that's an especially important um, uh, piece. But you're right. Um, uh, uh, folks listening to us would quickly be able to uh, get the outline Uh, of the uh, great events of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the Gospels are really uh, focusing us in on the whole Bible is pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we discover him, we're going to discover life and light and hope. Um, I'm I'm thinking, Colin, that as um, if I muse for very long, if I spend time considering for very long the landmark events in the life of Christ, um, Right. I my mind um, is filled with awe and wonder and moments in time when he touched the lives of individuals and they were transformed Um, when he touched the life of uh, of the one we know as the Apostle Paul. Like, I think of that as like, that's a really important moment in the life of Christ. I feel like when Jesus stands, when Jesus stands, Stephen sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father in heaven, 
um, not sitting but standing while he's being martyred. Yes. Like I think there's people yeah. around the world who cling to that hope. Like there are real Christians in really hard places clinging to that moment in the life of Christ as the one that is right now the most potentially meaningful to them. So I think that um, what you're doing is inviting us to, for those of us who've been students of the scriptures, like for, for us to revisit them and be sure that we have its scope and sequence in mind so that we can speak real hope into the lives of real people who are really suffering. That, that that's exactly right, and um, uh, Jesus uh, standing when Stephen is going through uh, absolute agony, uh, but Christ being present and Christ being ready to receive him. I mean, all of that flows from the fact that we have a living Savior, and that's the mm, whole point amen. at the very center of the Bible. You know, um, what we're talking about here is not um, a set of doctrines. It's not essentially an ethic. Uh, at the heart of the Bible story is a living person who lays claim to every one of our lives. And uh, I want to keep emphasizing every time I have the opportunity that the Bible is not simply information. You know, any other book or textbook or whatever that you might le um, uh, learn, uh, it's essentially information. The Bible brings transformation because it's the word of God. So when we open it, we're not simply learning something that's, um, you know, stacking away a bunch of information that will uh, be useful to us in some time in our lives. No, there's way more than that. The entrance of God's word gives light. So when we open the Bible, we encounter the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, there's light and there's light and uh, life and there's hope. And that's true for every person who will come and seek the face of God. So uh, to open the Bible is is wonderfully life changing. You know, I've been a pastor for uh, for 40 years now, Carmen, and I've seen an awful lot of people whose lives have radically and wonderfully changed. And I've seen a lot of people who've only become older versions of, the, uh, of what they were before. And I've noticed without exception that as far as I can see, there's this thing in common that where a life has really changed, there's been a regular drip feeding of the word of God into that life. And when a person simply become an older version of what they were before and never really changed, just got older, then as far as one can tell, there's not been a significant entrance of God's word into that person's life. The word of God really is life changing. That's why we want people to open the Bible. And uh, you've got to start somewhere. And the 16th of October with the flyover of the Bible and this virtual event would be a great place to get started. And if you already know and love the word of God, then I just want to challenge you to say, um, get prepared to open it with others, because as you were saying earlier, we desperately need the life of uh, the light of the word of God to be brought into more people's lives. I want to invite you um, to plan now to participate in the Open the Bible event on October the 16th, 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. And as Colin just said, you know, if the Bible is not new for you, then why don't you invite someone into this event with you? Sit with someone else during this um, online exclusive event uh, with Colin Smith and open the Bible, not just with, you know, between you and Colin and the Lord, which is going to be great, but with you and Colin and the Lord and someone for whom it's a really scary 
and yet exhilarating prospect to open the Bible for the first time. Let's take the fear out of it. Let's make it invitational, um, and that it might be transformational. You and I know that once we get into the Word of God and the Word of God gets into us, everything does change. Like, it is it is real transformation. So, um, Colin, we want to celebrate with you your 25th anniversary in your current pastoral position. That's pretty uh, awesome. That's pretty awesome. Well, what a- what a joy. I'm so very grateful to uh, have that privilege. Let me just say one more thing, Carmen. Uh, folks who want to come, uh, it's a free event, but you do need to register at unlockingthebible.org. That's unlockingthebible.org. And if you can't make it on the 16th of October, if you register, we'll give you free access to the entire program at any point after the 16th of October. All right. I love that unlockingthebible.org. You need to register for the October the 16th Open the Bible event. And of course, every day you need to listen to Unlocking the Bible with Colin Smith right here on the Faith Radio Network. We love you, man. We love you. Bless you. Thank you so much. Grateful for you. Thank you so much, Carmen. Absolutely. We'll be right back. All right, sometimes you run across somebody uh, in your life, in your place of work, and you say to yourself, you know what? They are really connected to the spirit in a way that, of which I am, like, positively jealous. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that. Um, I have a colleague whose name is Rosie who is so spiritually sensitive and such a prayer warrior um, that I, like, am drawn to her, and I wanted to know more of her story. And When I asked for more of her story, come to find out, like, I mean, everybody has a real story of transformation and the way God has intervened and entered their life. But hers is particularly dramatic. And come to find out, she actually wrote it in a book. So there's all kinds of things that you learn when you just say to those spiritually sensitive people around you, okay, you have something going on between you and the Lord that I really um, find compelling and I want to know more. So Rosie's going to join us next to share a little bit more. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. How are things going in your home? Everything perfect? Do the siblings get along? Does everyone speak with respect all the time? Of course not. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Struggle is a natural part of growing up. And if you have a teen in your home, you know they don't keep that tension to themselves. The drama spreads to everyone under the roof. But in the midst of the hassle and heartache, we must never forget that nothing can separate us from God's love and care. That's not just a cliche. That's the hope mom and dads can cling to when things go a little bonkers. If we could actually see what God is up to, we'd be singing during those painful times. Let's trust God for His grace when family life gets a little chaotic. Want more parenting help from Mark Gregston? Find encouragement through articles, books, and more at parentingtodaysteens.org. Rawson is one of my colleagues at Faith Radio, um, and I love her. She has a spiritual magnetism that uh, draws me in, that uh, that is a light 
Um, and I, I adore her. And so I wanted you to have the privilege of knowing her as well. So Rosie, who is the producer for Afternoons with Bill, by the, by the way. So Bill Arnold is especially blessed on our team. Um, Rosie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, Carmen, that is the sweetest introduction. Thank you. And I love you as well. And I love that over this last fall share, we were able to get to know each other better. It was truly one of the best gifts of God. I mean, we saw him move in so many amazing ways, right? But I think some of the relationships that I learned more about you and several others, and those were my precious takeaways. So it was my, I know, me too, too. me too, really. I just love it. All right. So um, let's do this. Tell us how you came to Christ. Wow. So that is such a pregnant question. You don't even know it. So I'm going to give you the reader's digest version because I think we only have till 8 a.m., right? Like, (laughs) (laughs) so I uh, was born and raised Catholic. My dad's a deacon of the Catholic Church. Um, My home was full of rich theological discussion. My mom was completely um, set on making sure we knew how to serve others. My dad, we you know, we had more conversations about Christ before I was, you know, 12 than, than most people have in a lifetime. But, you know, he was always, I always kept um, my relationship with the Lord in my head. It was an intellectual pursuit. I was very aware of Christ. I was very aware that he saved me um, and all the rest that comes with Catholicism. But he hadn't moved to my heart. And, and Carmen, when I say that, I mean, I didn't trust him. I didn't seek him. I didn't run to him when I would say, look for a job. You know, I would just look for a job and it was very much about my ability to work or not work and and make my, and make or break my, my own opportunities. So it was in the year um, 2000, I was a mom of two boys, new mom and a stay-at-home mom. And I had had pretty, God had given me a pretty expansive career prior to that. So staying home was a stretch for me and he got me quiet. And in that quietness, I started asking him some questions that made me realize that he had never, I had never invited him into the miraculous and the mundane. And Mm -hmm. so, um, he landed my heart and in that landing, Um, I realized that he is the living God. He's not just in the Bible between those beautiful soft pages, but he's a living God and he wanted every part of my life. And from that point forward, Rosie has never, um, there has never been a a trickle of rain. There has never been any darkness. It has all been, um, right. So, Talk about that. Like it has not been smooth sailing on a sea of glassy calm. No, it was actually really, very difficult for me. I changed. So, you know, people have these moments um, where they say, and I changed and other people just have known Christ their whole life and they don't have that singular moment. Well, I had that singular moment. I did change on a dime. I started, um, there was a joy that night that he landed my heart, he deposited a certain joy. And the joy of the Holy Spirit is what I came to know it to be. But at that stage, I'm like, why am I so happy? Why do I see beauty in everything? And so that changed a lot of my relationships. Um, I attributed it all to, to God. And I wanted to tell everybody who the Lord was and how he can be for them. So that 
uh, changed many of my current relationships. My husband was not saved yet. It was going to be another 11 years. Um, we almost lost our marriage twice um, in those days because I just, it was a radical difference for me. Um, you know, and nobody can dictate how it's going to happen, right? And so I think who I was as a person beforehand kind, you know, was just kind of exponentially increased when um, I was saved. And so maybe I could have used a little pulling back from my enthusiasm. Just saying. No, I um, I love it. And I think it's so real and it's so honest. I'm talking with my friend, sister in Christ uh, and colleague in ministry, Rosie Brosson. Um, we're talking about her testimony, her life story, um, her life of witness. She is one of the shiny people. She is um, she is shining as a light every single moment. She is animated by the Holy Spirit. She talks about it as a deposit of joy. It's it is true and it is real. Um, so eleven years later, your husband um, mm-hmm. comes to this point of transformation as well. That's a long time to pray and wait. Um, and yeah. so from that point forward, when your husband comes to this this point of saving faith. From that point forward, it's all smooth sailing on a glassy a sea of calm, right? Oh my gosh, are you setting me up? So no, uh, he actually came to the Lord nine years earlier. We have, you know, at our church, we had changed churches and at our church, you know, they invite you to put your name on a big wooden cross when you are ready to to know Christ as your savior, right? So mm. it was, I think, 2009 for him. Yeah, it was 2009 and he nailed his uh, name on the cross and, oh my gosh, Carmen, I'm sitting there going, oh, it's happened. Everything I've prayed for, God, you're so good. I'm going to see this change. We're going to have all this great communication and no. And so uh, it was two years later um, in January of 2011, that he nailed his name on the cross again and turned and looked at me and said, this time I'm all in. Mm. And in that difference, in that commitment, I saw immediate change. He was very curious, Rosie, where have you gone? You know, like, why do you read your Bible every day? Um, What do the boys know that I don't know? Because in his loving faithfulness to our family, he allowed um, our children uh, to go to a private school that was a discipleship school, very full of God, you know, not what you would think of a private school as a bubble, but because it was no bubble, there was a lot going on there, but really teachers dedicated to teaching the children, uh, the children and the students, the word through, through education. And so they had gone to a different place um, than he had gone. And so he was feeling very left behind Um no pun on the book, uh, and was was curious, really curious. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk um, when we come back from a very brief break about the devastating news you received um, and what God has done from the point of a terminal cancer diagnosis. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen. All right. One of the shiny sisters is on with me right now, Rosie Brawson. She is a colleague in ministry at Faith Radio. She is the producer for uh, Afternoons with Bill Arnold. 
Um, and she has a testimony and a walk of faith that is worth knowing about. It's admirable. It's um, it's precious. And so, Rosie, thank you again for your willingness to get up early and join us today. Um, tell us uh, the story of the receiving whew, uh, really unimaginably bad news and what God has done with that. So um, to just trail back, just to connect this a little bit. So Gary came to the Lord um, truthfully in in a changed way in January of 2011. In March 15th of 2011, my non-smoking, extremely athletic, um, vibrant, never been sick husband was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. He was given a 1% chance of life after um, they went in and uh, he he lost his left lung. It was only supposed to be a lobe, but the cancer that attacked Gary's body um, was a cloaking cancer. Uh, and we, it, it was so aggressive and so different, and they had never seen it before, that our second opinion was in Boston at Dana-Farber. And I have to tell you, Carmen, you do not want a cancer that Dana-Farber wants to look at. Let's just put it that way. And so uh, he, he had... He had his original oncologist and then the Dana-Farber oncologist. And then I, unbeknownst to him, had also looked for a third oncologist to read the reports because Gary had slipped into this bizarre denial. He's an engineer. He asked so many questions. And at the beginning of our story, he was asking question after question. And actually, I think our doctors, they would see him coming and they'd be like, okay, increase 20 more minutes. Gary's got all these questions. Um, But by the end, he went into such a denial, a place of denial that he would come and look at me and he goes, they got all the cancer when they took out my lung. Right. And that was the hardest part of our journey is trying to respect where he was and actually maintaining that as well as trusting the Lord for a miracle, because that's what I, that's what we were praying for at that point. And before all of that could happen, Carmen, God had me in such a surrendered position of trust him, walk this out, ask, beg, plead, go through all of the healings of the Bible, meditate on them. What do they have for you before? But in all that, can you, can you surrender this to me? Can you give this to me first and fight second? Right. And so it was, it was hard, Carmen. It was hard. People think, often that um, illness just attacks the body, but it attacked our family emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, relationally there, you know, it, it was on every single front and it was a battle. Um, One of the things that you talk about, and Rosie has written a book, uh, Praying for Healing While Planning a Funeral, a Miraculous Story of Hope, which sort of gives away the punchline here. Um, Gary uh, is is alive today. Uh, mm-hmm. He has one lung, which I feel yeah. like uh, is it should be what you know he leads with anytime there's a disagreement. I mean, he should just say, "Look, <laughs> I mean, I I gave up a lung." So um, there you go. And he um, does. He does do that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, it really, this experience, I want you to talk a little bit more about um, Gary's Miraculous Healing, because I think that is an inspiration as well, but also the ministry that it produced, because you've had the opportunity to pray with and for a lot of other people 
not right. all of whom have experienced the miraculous healing that Gary has experienced. So there's a lot of story and tension there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you could walk around in some of that, I would be grateful. Absolutely. And so there was so many ministries that happened that came through our story. Um, and God used every single moment. And I think that is one of the significant things we learned through going through a cancer diagnosis and a terminal one at that was that there, God's not going to waste anything, not one thing. And he, if you allow him, will, will take what you've experienced. And according to Genesis 50, 20, you know, uh, that scripture talks about, and I'm so paraphrasing, but what evil has intended for evil, I've intended for good. And then the rest of the scripture is for the betterment of others. And so in every situation, God is working to bring something out of destruction. And our story was no different. Uh, we started uh, Bike for Hope. We raised money for um, Gary was able to, as he healed, bike 150 miles to Duluth. There's many things he can't do, but he can bike um, and he can do other things as his lung grew. His one lung is doing the job of two and he maintained his athletic status. So in and of itself, that's a beautiful working of the human body, right? Um So I started praying for people. Uh, We go both go and pray for people that have terminal diagnosis. Um, We have seen amazing healings. We have walked people home. And before we pray for anybody, we always talk about, because unintentionally or not, I think the Christian family, the Christian church, if you will, has this onus of, if you have enough faith, you'll be healed, right? And that's not always God's intention. Sometimes he takes people home through the pathway of illness. I think the the tension is, and what we ask people about before we pray for them, is if you're not healed, will God still be on the throne for you? Can you accept that he loves you and that he has intention for this? And your healing might be emotional. It might be spiritual. It might be physical. It might be financial. It might come on all these different fronts and, and it could hit all of them as well. But can we take it into the throne room and first trust the sovereignty of God and fight from that trust position? That's hard, Carmen. That is a hard thing to ask people before you even pray. Because what we have found is if, if people can say, let me think about that, yes, I'm all in, then they open their spirit to a God who loves them so incredibly much and has a plan for their family and for them. That is beautiful, right? And sometimes we just hold on to, we just want the physical, the physical, please. But there's beauty in the ashes. And sometimes God moves his kingdom forward through those ashes. Sometimes it's a miraculous healing like we, like we had. To get to um, the place where God can lift up something out of the ashes, there has to be a fire. And right. that occurs to me as well. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about the conversation we had yesterday with Mitchell Lee about uh, even if, and the text, you know, of the three who walk faithfully, right, into the fiery furnace. I mean, we're going to, we're, we're even if, I mean, God is able, God is able to redeem, God is able to heal. Even if he doesn't, we're still going to praise him. We're still going to honor him as God. We're still not going to bow the knee to any other I just think there's a, a rich testimony that grows out of um, the experience of people who have uh, genuinely experienced miracles in their life, and you are one of them. And so I wanted to, I wanted, having learned that, I wanted to tell other people, and I wanted to say, you know, 
look, there are miracles walking among us today. People who are miraculously healed, like for whom medicine has no answer. You know, medicine said 1% chance and God said, let me show you. Let me show you how that works. Um, And so because you and Gary have been willing to testify um, to the greatness and the goodness of God, um, I wanted other people to hear it as well. So Rosie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Carmen, you're the best. Thank you. So that's Rosie Brosson. You can um, find her at Faith Radio. She is the producer of Bill's Afternoon Show, Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Her book is Praying for Healing While Planning a Funeral, a Miraculous Story of Hope, which we may have to see republished because now people are going to want to go get it. And it's a little bit hard to find. So there you go. We're going to have to find a way, Rosie, to to get it it back out there. All right. uh, I love you. Thank you so much for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. All right. For those of you looking for it, yes, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, Broad Street is the publisher and it's available. It's easily available on Kindle. So there you go. Praying for healing while planning a funeral. A miraculous story of hope. Rosie Brosson, B-R-A-U-S-E-N. That's what you're looking for. Um, All right. Again, I am compelled to encourage us today to be standing in the mirror. Standing in the mirror. No pretense, no excuses, um, and confessing before the Lord our God our need for our hearts to be revived. Um, Revival often begins with people coming under a deep conviction crying out in confession and repentance for sin. Revival um, has never occurred outside of the atmosphere of prayer, real prayer, the people of God on their knees before the living God pleading with him. And so if you want to see a spiritual revival in this land, as I do, um, I'm wondering if as you share that conviction, you might also um, join me in prayer today. Like go and stand in front of a mirror, a literal mirror, no makeup, no pretense, and pray that God would deal with the hardness of our hearts, whatever that looks like. I don't presume, again, I don't presume to know what's clogging the arteries um, of the body of Christ, but I do know we need real spiritual, genuine spiritual revival in this land. And it starts in the heart of the church, which means it starts in the hearts of the people of God. Let us uh, weep today, running with urgent compassion um, toward the world, but doing so in the spirit and in the love of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. We have another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.